0: hello and welcome to the queers are watching i'm hannah and i'm sarah and this time we're going to be talking about ammonite as we said that we would a subdued Woo. <laughs> Woo. it's it's gay <laughs> so i don't know
1: why don't why don't you jump into your uh your spiel and then my we'll, spiel okay yeah. So my spiel, for those of y'all that are new here, is I give you the facts. So let me give you the facts real quick and get those out of the way. Um, The movie's called Ammonite. It's rated R. It came out in 2020. It's a romance drama. It's two hours long. And it's directed by Francis Lee, who also directed God's Own Country, which we also reviewed on this podcast. Um, The synopsis is Mary Anning, famous fossil finder and seller in the 1830s, finds a charged romance with a wealthy socialite. Um, The stars are Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan, and Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 67%, but the audience rating was 85%, y'all. And that is a huge disparity, so we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, IMDb gave it a 6.5 out of 10, and Metacritic gave it a 73%, so not terrible.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize until after I had watched it that it was directed by the same person as God's Own Country. I don't know when you found that out, but...
1: Um, I think we had discussed watching it first and then like not that long ago I think I googled it to see what year it came out because I thought was it 2019 or 2020 and then I was like oh it's the same guy so so I'll
0: say up front that I think I felt kind of lukewarm about this movie Um, but I didn't feel as harshly about it as some of the reviewers did some of the reviewers were like really really
1: coming for this movie they went in on this bitch like they were like okay go off sis like they really did not like it um I thought it was entertaining I liked it I wasn't like a huge fan but I liked it like
0: and like okay I totally get all the comparisons to Portrait of a Lady on Fire but it's also really not fair And one of the reviews that I sent you I can't remember which one but one of the reviews did acknowledge like sucks for this movie that it came out like right after Portrait of a Lady on Fire because like obviously then it's going to get compared to it way more and yeah let's be real like it
1: just wasn't as compelling. Yeah it definitely wasn't as compelling and I don't know if that is maybe like not so much the writing I think more the direction and don't get me wrong I do like this director but I think something about the slow pace, like heavy writing of it didn't really match the tone of the direction for me.
0: It was slow and as many people pointed out, it was morose. Mhm. I like people went in really hard on that and I I like morose things sometimes, so I don't feel like that strongly about it, but I see how such a morose tone can make it feel more boring than something that has a little bit more color and light to it
1: yeah I mean it was still pretty though I don't know I mean we love a sapphic period piece though so
0: we do we do love it but that's the problem is like the reviewers were like oh it's another sapphic period piece and that's it and well, I kind of get what
1: it I yeah
0: <laughs> and the one the one review that I sent you that was like in favor of the queer mediocrity or whatever like that one basically said like yeah we deserve mediocre period pieces
1: just like straight people get <laughs> <laughs> you accept the love you think you deserve Hannah mediocre it's about the <laughs> equality you know <laughs> I want equal shit is what I want <laughs>
0: I think there was a lot of really beautiful kind of metaphorical stuff going on in the movie, and that's, like, mostly what I can appreciate about it. It kind of elevated it a little bit. Like, the the opening, I think, is really interesting because it's just, like, a black screen and you can hear heavy breathing and, like, the sound of water, and you're, like, not exactly sure what the situation is, and then you see that she's cleaning the floor, and the first... <laughs> The first line of the movie is a man being like, move to a (laughs) woman, which is pretty great um, in terms of like the metaphorical
1: work there. Yeah, that really set the tone for me. I was like, oh, so men, trash, (laughs) got it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I you know what I kind of liked, though? I liked that while Charlotte's husband was not great. He also wasn't, like, a total piece of garbage, which I, you know, he seemed like just a regular annoying husband. Yeah, especially for the time. Yeah, like, he was kind of goofy. He was a goofball and just didn't really particularly care about her as a person, which seems, yeah, regular for the 1840s. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't, like, a psycho, which sometimes I think they really play
1: up in period pieces. Yeah, I will say that... (laughs) So when he was interacting with Mary and he was like fucking psyched about her fossils, I was like, okay. So he like respects her and she's used to men not respecting her. And so mm-hmm. she was like, all right, so I'm I'm gonna take it slow with you. And I was like, so maybe he's not terrible. But then when they like went back and they were having him and his wife, who's Charlotte, were having dinner together, and he was like completely ignoring what she wanted, what she needed, and like ordering for her and just kind of like like girl like you can't just with the plain fish she'll have plain fish i was like no she won't henny like (laughs) she needs a little spice in her life and she like didn't speak up for herself and i like then i was like okay he's kind of a dick but then later on when like she like just like she leans over to be i guess like intimate with him not necessarily have sex with him he's like oh i don't think now's a good time to make another baby which like revealed that they obviously they don't have a child right now. So they lost a baby recently. So I think his way of like trying to help her get past the depression of that was like kind of coddling her and like keeping her away from society. Whereas she wanted to be like a part of it to not be sad all the time.
0: Yeah. And that's also very indicative of the time period because it. I did a, li- I did a little bit of extra research on this stuff because I was very interested in the whole uh, sea bathing thing. I didn't know a whole lot about it, um, and you know we we all know how uh, women were treated in general, and then we also know how especially depressed women were treated. Mm-hmm. Um, they were um, said to be experiencing melancholia, uh, <laughs> which I I forget who said it, but I I it might have been the husband that was like, oh, yeah. she just has some mild melancholia, and it's like. Oh, that's, like, a nice, fun way to say she's really depressed. Mm -hmm.
1: He also, like, had a little shame when he said it. Like, he almost didn't want to admit it to Mary.
0: Yeah, and it's because, like, it was kind of often thought to be, you know, something that could be fixed with particular, like, environments or behaviors. So, in a way, it was, like, the blame would be kind of placed on the husband in some cases for, like, quote-unquote letting their wife get like that or whatever um so (laughs) but the sea bathing thing i thought this was really interesting um it may be super boring to everyone else but we'll see so i apologize if it's boring but at the time (laughs) people still believed in the four humors which is phlegm blood black bile and yellow bile uh totally like made up uh way of looking at the human body but whatever like we do have we have blood and bile and phlegm but that's not how that works um (laughs) so it was thought that if you were particularly melancholy or if you were introverted or you were cranky that meant that you had too much black bile and the way that they came up with to like well I mean they came up with a lot of ways to fix it some of which were like extremely violent and horrible but one of the ways they came up with is like shocking the system by going into very cold seawater they thought that would really uh, balance out your humors and make you happier because that makes sense. Um, <laughs> and I wrote down this quote from this book called The Lure of the Sea, Discovery of the Seaside in the Western World, 1750 to 1840 by Elaine Corbin. This is like there's a book about that very particular topic.
1: Oh, OK. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> And the quote is uh, about the fact that oftentimes these people would have um, a bather accompany them and kind of dip them into the water. And I was like, oh, kind of like a baptism. But no, because it was really violent and horrible because the quote says the bathers would plunge female patients into the water just as the wave broke, taking care to hold their heads down so as to increase the impression of suffocation. So I don't want that. So
1: write that down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So as you can imagine, people that would, you know, people are depressed, they're struggling, they need assistance. And then they're like, you know what we can do? We can like make you feel like you're drowning in extremely cold seawater. That should fix you right up. (laughs) And then as we see in the movie, you get fucking pneumonia and you just like you almost die yeah you like go into a little mini coma um and your husband doesn't come pick
1: you up either
0: (laughs) yeah he's like wow she must have like a really weak constitution (laughs) seems like a you problem
1: yikes and like i yes this was like i think okay so mary died in 1847 i think that's when she died so This movie had to have taken place sometime before that. So like early 1840s, late 1830s. I get that that was a long ass time ago, but in the 1950s, 60s, and even 70s, they did that whole like really hot and really cold ice bath thing to people in mental institutions. So they did the pretty much the same shit. It was just like in a quote controlled environment and none of those things worked. So we haven't come that long away from that (laughs) y'all.
0: And I mean, there are still, there are still people out here trying to cure mental illness with temperature. Like there are those (laughs) people that swear that like jumping into freezing water at five in the morning, just really invigorates them and gets them ready for their day. And you know what? That's fine for you. If that's what you want to do, you absolute maniac crazy person. (laughs) Yeah. Like
1: (laughs) I I would choose not to do that. Thank
0: you. Yeah. And like, it's ridiculous to expect something like that to be a cure-all for anything let alone depression yeah like i don't yeah but for some reason or another there's like a thing throughout history that people thought that like you could just fix things with cold water hot water or a combination um not so
1: i mean that's all they had back then so yeah
0: (laughs) and like for the time that was definitely like the go to would be like if someone was depressed, send them to the seaside. That was especially in England, they were like, That's how you cure everything.
1: He was like you've been prescribed uh sunny days
0: and water. <laughs> also, like where are these where are these sunny days you
1: speak of? Like you're where Yeah, do he you took think her to are? the gloomy countryside. So, like, take her somewhere else, take her to France or something. Like, don't everyone knows that England is like anywhere in the uk is gonna be gloomy as fuck like no yeah lots of fog
0: like what what do you think this is gonna fix um i do appreciate that the doctor that showed up later in the movie like when they when they told him like oh she was prescribed sea bathing he was like oh yes water torture yeah like he's like
1: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Yeah, but then he also said, like, for a fever, he was like, keep her warm, but not hot. And then she immediately, like, didn't listen to him and gave her cold rags and, like, cured her of her fever. I was like, you go, Mary. <laughs> yeah. I,
0: I mean, I guess all medicine was just absolutely wild. But um, that's, like, an, that's a whole other
1: That is another topic.
0: <laughs> but regardless, I agreed with some of the reviewers that said that the difference between charlotte po like pre-fever and post-fever was like too wild like i get it it's like a it's like a transformation metaphor or whatever like they do that in lots of things they did it in avatar the last airbender um <laughs> you know when zuko is going through his like moral transformation like he has a fever and has like fever dreams or whatever and then he wakes up and he's like i'm a new person or whatever um <laughs> But I still felt like it was weird and unrealistic for someone that was so severely depressed to then just, like, wake up and be like, hey, yo, I'm going to stop wearing my morning dress now. And I'm going to, like, be regular and suddenly start talking to everyone.
1: I thought it was realistic in the way that I saw her as, like, a repressed lesbian. So clearly like if this woman is showing her this care and this attention to her and she thought she didn't even like her cuz she really didn't in the beginning um Mary took care of her by the way then i feel like she is kind of seeing that like she has value mm-hmm. um, and that mary is showing her that she has value and maybe she is she's very young at this time and they, she's never said that she's done this with other women and then mary kind of takes the lead in most of the rest of the movie so i kind of feel like that was her getting like giddy and happy about being treated by a woman. Okay. So that was her like her queer awakening. So she wasn't like over her dead baby or anything. Like she just, <laughs> like I feel like she was just like, oh, things are clicking into place for me. Okay. Okay. I can see it. I also looked up the morning
0: dressing because I was curious because I knew that that was a thing that people did, but I wasn't sure for how long. They did it because I was trying to figure out like when they lost the baby. And I was like, oh, she's still wearing her morning dress. So it must have been recently. Not so. Um, apparently in this time period, it was dependent on who died. But uh widows were supposed to literally just wear your morning clothes for two years. No. Um, if you lost a parent or a child, one year, siblings or grandparents, six months, aunts and uncles, two months. And cousins one month, you were supposed to just wear your your mourning clothes, which is a long-ass time. So it could have been up to a year after they lost their child that this is happening.
1: So it's a no from me, dog. <laughs> yeah, that's too wild. It's very interesting. Like, yes, she can mourn for, like, more than a year. But, like, why do you have to make her wear the same clothes? Like, that's weird. It It's
0: a very weird, like, social thing. Because, like, then everyone can identify that you're mm. that you've lost someone and it's kind of it's kind of awkward. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Also, the article that I was reading about that pointed out that this uh was able to make the clothing industry a lot of fucking money because apparently y- it was bad luck to keep the same morning outfit. Like you couldn't even keep it in the house after your morning period was over. Like you had to get rid of it. So then the next time someone died, you had to purchase another dress. Oh no. So just spending money. What if you're poor as fuck? Well, a lot of really poor working class people didn't even have morning clothes. It was kind of more of a uh, upper class uh
1: practice, which is why Charlotte, you know, Charlotte's pretty fucking rich. Uh, yeah. so Mary does I just I realized that Mary's morning dress was the same as her fancy clothes that she wore to the recital.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. So
0: enough about uh the boring history stuff (laughs) I don't think that's boring
1: okay I hope our audience doesn't think that's boring
0: (laughs) yeah I'm always I'm always interested in like probably because I don't know very much about history I know I've said this before on this podcast I like took history in high school and then in in my higher education years I was like never forced to take a history class so I know very little so when I watch historical like period pieces I'm always like I have no idea what's normal during this time period so I have
1: to like look it up and figure it out yeah I did do like a little research to be like okay I'm, I'm aware of what's going on can we talk about Mary's crazy ass mother okay I didn't okay <laughs> I didn't realize that was her mother until like he, the R- Roddy was the husband's name came and dropped off um or he was like doing his little Fossil tour with her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Oh, the old lady in the shop told me you'd be here. And she's like, My mother? And I'm like, Oh, I thought that was like just some old lady you lived with because like you have nowhere else to go, girl. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, Oh, my condolences. Like, exactly. Like, what a piece of shit. She was really, really mean and harsh and cuckoo bananas. And I get it. Like, she lost like eight kids. Like, yeah, yeah that makes sense. But I don't think I'd keep living with her. <laughs> Yeah, but I guess if you're,
0: like, because that's the thing, right? Like, she's, like, they're poor, considering. Mm -hmm. And, like, I I would say, like, most people probably would have been, like, I'm going to, like, go out on my own and maybe, like, go to a different area and try to, like, make it on my own. However, she was so obsessed with her fossils, and she was in the perfect place to keep finding fossils. So she's, like, what am I going to do? Like, move out and then move in next
1: door? also like of that time you didn't just move out as a woman you yeah like, that's true yeah got married to somebody and she was like married to her work i guess
0: yeah although i have a feeling she probably didn't care very much about that social norm like i i kind of did appreciate that that like throughout the movie like she clearly knew what social norms were but she just was like no i don't i don't particularly care about that
1: yeah and i like seeing her in this light cuz the only things i know about mary anning is that she uh, found a bunch of fossils and she never got credit for it and she was really really religious so i don't know how true this is but i like this retelling
0: (laughs) oh i didn't that's interesting i had not heard that she was really religious
1: she's so religious that um the people of her parish paid for a like stained glass window that's about like giving to your fellow man Um, and it's like told it looks kind of like a comic it's told in like three strips Mm -hmm. or whatever um and it's in london i think pretty sure it's still there so okay
0: basically what i read about this interpretation is that there's like no evidence at all that she was queer per se like all of this is just based around the fact of like she was never in a relationship with a man that we know of So therefore, it's easy to like speculate and kind of like put the story in this direction. And apparently some of her descendants were like a little upset about this retelling because they were like, Mm -hmm. this isn't true. And the director was kind of like, I never
1: said it was true. Yeah, he did say it's not a biopic. It's my interpretation of what her life might have been like. If she was queer, which we can say. Yeah. Um, One of her descendants was like, there's no proof one way or the other. So I think this is fine. And she was like, good for a queer representation anyway. And the other person was like, no, that's not true. So I think that descendant might have been queer. Yeah. <laughs> she might have been like, yeah, that's my great, great aunt. She's family and she's family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So what about like the great fan fiction tropes of like, enemies to lovers the slow burn and um why don't we just share a bed (laughs) i wrote i wrote down and there was only one bed and they were roommates (laughs) (laughs) okay look i love it like i'm sorry like i know it was a slow movie but as that stuff was happening i was like yes i applaud you like i was very happy about it i hate
0: that i'm saying this but i i just needed a little more I needed a little more demonstration of the transition from enemies to lovers, because I think that's what my issue was, is it seems like one day Mary just stopped hating her. And I didn't really like see a reason, you know, like, I, like, yes, the reason in and of itself could have been attraction, but mm-hmm. it seems to me she hated her so severely before that she would need a little bit more of a reason to be like, okay, I don't want to murder you.
1: Yeah I think um, in a lot of ways Charlotte was like everything like she didn't want to be in life like she was really representative of that and pulling her out of that and just seeing her as a person I think she came to understand her a little bit more but at the same time yeah I think I needed something to happen where Mary determined that Charlotte wasn't just like a spoiled little brat Mm -hmm. but we never got that so yeah that was a little lacking for me but I will say that I watched some interviews with Kate Winslet and uh, Francis Lee who's the director and she was saying like that Mary um, was a very stoic person and she was like known for that Mm -hmm. so I maybe we will just never get that from her like that was that's on her personality and that's why they didn't include it.
0: Yeah that was another thing that reviewers really went they were mad about it they were like oh like her like Kate Winslet's character is so flat and so blank and I'm like That's a personality. Yeah, a lack of personality is a personality. (laughs) Like, because people were like, "Oh, I guess Kate Winslet's lost her touch" or something, and it's like, no, she was acting as a character who's very reserved Mm -hmm. and
1: very stoic. Yeah, she's very quiet. She's stoic. I think she has a quiet strength to her. And I think, like, if you've ever seen Kate Winslet act in anything, like, you know that she can put on multiple faces, like this is clearly an acting job that she was doing Um, and then one of the interviews I I saw that she said um, that she had to train herself not to move around a lot because when she would do that it would come off like she wasn't acting like Mary Mm -hmm. so she's actually kind of like a hyper person I guess in real life
0: I can see that and yeah Mary was very still at all times like a robot
1: (laughs) I didn't think she was that boring I thought she was I thought she was internally caged I thought she was pinning herself in place on purpose and that is definitely a personality I thought she was afflicted by trauma and I think that that is an interesting portrayal of that like maybe it's not interesting to other people I don't know
0: yeah that's the thing is like I didn't find I didn't find her character boring, as some people said. I think the movie all like all in all was a little on the boring side because of things we've already talked about. But her as a character, I didn't think was boring. and i I can definitely see like it's very like virgo, kind of, um, like these are the way that I like things to be. and like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change. I'm not gonna.
1: She's like a Virgo Scorpio rising or something (laughs) like
0: oh yeah I see it I see it like there is something there but she's hiding it she's keeping it close Mm -hmm. when
1: they first took up after it is after they go to the recital and like she's like watching her like clean a fossil and then they just start having sex I was like okay girl like all right
0: (laughs) I was like in the kitchen with your mother
1: (laughs) yeah like and like her mother's
0: already off her rocker like can you imagine that what that would do to her not that I'm like you know defending Uh, yeah not that I'm
1: rooting for her mother but yeah but at the
0: same time like that just seems like a bad call like just like especially because you guys are sharing a room anyway just go to your room exactly just go to your room and do that they were like no I want to fuck
1: right here in front of the water bucket (laughs) it's too wild yeah, and when Mary just goes straight under her clothes, I was like, this is not your first time, Mary. How many women have you slept
0: with? Well, we know at least one because the way she interacted, I really liked the way they did that. We're introduced to this woman named Elizabeth because Mary goes to her to get a salve to help um Charlotte when Charlotte's sick. And it's this like, she's a she's a cottage core lesbian. Like she mm-hmm. Has her little garden and her little herbs. Um, <laughs> uh, she's like a little, a little English witch kind of thing. Yeah. And like their whole vibe is very ex girlfriends, and like you pick up on it right away, even though they never say anything. Like at that point in the movie, you're like, oh, I see what happened here.
1: Okay. And, and then you say it later, like they make yeah. it clear twice. Um, she's played by Fiona Shaw, by the way. Uh, who is Aunt Petunia yes who is gay in real life the other two actresses aren't gay in real life that we know of but I will say that in every single interview I saw Kate Winslet do she says well women know what women want right and I'm like girl is there something you're not telling me
0: (laughs) yeah and like people yeah people are very quick to be like oh another movie with straight women playing queer women I'm like can you not assume that especially like Sorry to be stereotypical, but look at some of the styling that Kate Winslet has in some like magazine photo shoots and stuff. And like, yes, that could be just like a part of the styling of the times of like, oh, we like a little androgyny, but like sometimes she really looks like a queer icon. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to like draw too many judgments about her unless she would like to tell us anything. Kate Winslet, if you are listening. We're ready. uh, We're ready for you. (laughs) anytime you're ready to join the community um
1: (laughs) although I heard that she is um a Woody Allen apologist and I did not know that and that upsets me so I love her though so I'm like maybe she was like caught up in that and then maybe she like sat back reflectively and was like not so much on the Woody Allen yeah there there are always actresses like that I think to my knowledge she didn't like die on a hill for him she was just like well when i worked with him like he didn't do anything weird to me and he didn't come off as weird but like that's not really the best thing to say like your experience is not everyone's experience kate
0: like if you're gonna if you're gonna say something like that you gotta at least like tack on at the end like but i recognize that maybe it just didn't happen to me and there are other people that have different experiences like you're allowed to say if that's really what if if you never had that experience you can say that but then you have to say however things might not be the same for other people but anyway um what were we saying oh some reviewer was like talking about how uh, Fiona Shaw was like the only good performance in the entire movie or whatever they're and wrong. like why are you so why are you hating on these performances. I don't get it. <laughs> they like,
1: don't want straight women. That's what it is.
0: And they just like so many people called called this film Oscar Bait.
1: I didn't think it was Oscar bait, but okay. It's not even nominated for a Golden Globe, so it's definitely not Oscar bait. Yeah, I thought people were like a little dramatic in their reviews. <laughs> they really were and I don't like did it come out at a time where there was like a surge in social media where everyone was like let gay people play gay characters which I also support. But at the same time, I'm like, look, like these are actors and actresses, and I believe that they can play people that they are not. So I'm not gonna like boycott a film for that. I would rather see actual queer people in queer roles.
0: Yeah, I mean, my personal feeling has always been that it's, it's far more important for trans people to play trans characters because it's a it's 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 a little different. Like I can't really say how,
1: but it just is different. Yeah, I agree. And I think that might be something to do with the physicality of it. Yeah, maybe. And also like I think it's important to have queer people write queer stories. So like in this particular case, the man who wrote this story is gay and he refers to himself as queer. So he's not sapphic, but he is a queer person, and then also he let uh Kate and Cersei write their own sex scenes. Yeah, yeah. Which I think,
0: I think that came through. Yeah, because it d- it didn't feel like it was uh, it didn't feel like it was directed by a man. Not that not that a gay man would have the same exact kind of uh male gaze, but it still felt uh more woman oriented, I guess. Yeah.
1: And they, like, routinely, like, often said, like, they were like, oh, well, how did you feel about the sex scenes or whatever? And they're like, I felt safe. I felt mm-hmm. like I was in a good environment. Like, I never felt like I was being exploited or taken advantage of. Or they came up with them together and they had multiple times said that they felt really close to the director. That he was able to, like, listen to them and, like, not take it to a place where it shouldn't go. Mm-hmm.
0: We want to hear more of that, certainly. Because we heard a lot of really scary stories about
1: people filming queer sex scenes. Blue is the Warmest Color. Yeah. We're not going to review that, (laughs) y'all.
0: And like, even, I forget which review it was, but some reviewer was like, this is nowhere near Blue is the Warmest Color and other similar films. And it's like, what? Because the women weren't pressured into like weird sex scenes that they didn't want to do like and there was i think quite a bit of sex in this movie that i was kind of surprised by yeah this i mean the scene when they're in their bedroom like that's pretty wild that's their, pretty wild their goodbye sex yeah yeah that was intense so. i was like
1: okay well
0: so we're watching this
1: don't watch this with your parents y'all.
0: Yo. <laughs> yeah um i That was there were so many moments in this movie though where I was like, y'all are so dumb. Like, why do you do this? Like, at least they went in the room. I would have fucking put a piece of furniture in front of that door. I would (laughs) have, I would have been like, no one's walking in on this. And then she's like, okay, leaning against the wall, moaning against the wall. Okay. But like maybe quiet it, quiet
1: it down a little bit. She does tell her to shush in the beginning, but then she's like loudly screaming (laughs) into the wall i mean she's not like really loud but like i'm sure the mother can hear i'm sure the walls weren't like built to be
0: soundproof back then like- yeah like
1: literally in like the opening when we see kate winslet or we see mary she's like resting in bed and then her mom's like <laughs> mary like all she had to do is <laughs> that and it's like super loud i'm like she could 100% hear you and that's why i think the mom knew all along and she was like trying to like be in denial and then as soon as that letter came like calling charlotte back home to her husband she was like here's your letter get the fuck out of my house i got that too yeah and like it could
0: have been that or it just could have been that she's like one of those crazy moms that's like oh someone is stealing my daughter's attention away from me like it didn't matter what kind of relationship that was she was just like get out so that my daughter can help me wash my ceramic animals that i call my babies
1: (laughs) there was one for each dead kid All right. I, it's still fucking weird. And that was the last of her. In real life, the family all found fossils together. So, like, the mom and the dad, she actually had a brother who was older than her, who lived. But he, like, moved out and, like, I think he did, like, carpentry or something. I don't remember. And then her. Um, and then she stayed there because she got really involved in fossil finding when she was, like, 11. And she found that plesiosaur that was, like, completely done. Her brother actually found the head and she found the body. So, like, they found it together as a family. Um, and then, like, she continued to find other stuff. Like, I think she found, like, the first pterodactyl to be found in the UK or something like that.
0: Wow. Um, which isn't
1: mentioned in here. But, um, and then her dad died when she, like, sometime after that. So, I think her mom was like, this is liturg- legitimately all I have left is you. So, you cannot leave me to go be a lesbian. Like, she was very upset. <laughs> But then she ended up dying. So <laughs> like I saw it coming. She had TV.
0: I thought she was just going to like die in her sleep though. Not like fall down the stairs.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was wild. It's like, see, she dropped all those fossils.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that I don't know what you felt like the age difference was between Mary and Charlotte, but I felt like there was a little bit of an age difference. Um, I'm not sure like that could have been mostly just like the difference between like a working class person and like, someone that's been very well taken care of. Uh, But it's it seemed to me there was an age difference. And then there was a different age difference between Mary and Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's so interesting, because I feel like from my experience, people tend to either go for younger people or older people, and they like, tend to stick with that pattern. Mm-hmm. um I guess though for the time if
1: there was another lesbian around you just uh <laughs> you were like I don't care yeah. I was kind of trying to reconcile that in my mind to be like yeah she was the only other lesbian in town um but a little bit of it seemed like especially in the beginning when like Elizabeth is like are you sure you don't want to come inside like she keeps like trying to go to Mary. it kind of seemed to me like she had groomed her and that that was maybe mary's response to groom someone else Mm -hmm. but like luckily the way the romance kind of like went with mary and charlotte it didn't feel like she was grooming her so
0: yeah yeah i think grooming would be way too strong a word even even for the elizabeth mary situation like we don't know exactly what happened but it seemed to me i don't know it's it's interesting that like in the 1840s you could have this very this very contemporary experience of seeing your ex at a party and like <laughs> freaking out and going out back and needing a cigarette really bad mm-hmm. you're just and like, seeing oh. her talk to
1: your new girlfriend <laughs> yeah I am mean, like oh fuck like I don't I don't want this like is there anything more uh sapphically dramatic than seeing your new girlfriend talk to your old girlfriend you having a panic attack running away from the party in the rain and then when she gets home pretending like nothing's wrong <laughs>
0: she was really just over here writing her sad poetry
1: it was very sad
0: (laughs) she abandoned her girlfriend at a party with strangers and just said enjoy walking home in the rain by yourself right
1: to somewhere you don't live
0: like she was living with her at the time like that was super bitchy and self-centered not gonna lie
1: (laughs) yeah I was like girl but like again like this is where the interviews came into play uh Kate Winslet said that like when she did that scene that she felt like she was playing someone who didn't understand how to love and how to be in a relationship Mm -hmm. and that like seeing elizabeth and charlotte talk and laugh and stuff was unsettling to her because she was like oh well that means our time talking and laughing is over and i have to go home and sit in a puddle of sorrow and be fucking sad about it instead of being like mature about the whole thing so it was just like her inexperience in love and relationships
0: okay so it's like a little bit of like an anxious attachment style situation where she's just like oh like if you like another person that much that must mean that i'm not special yeah and it's like no but still like the least she could have done is was tell like, her that she was leaving. yeah be like hey i have diarrhea or whatever <laughs> like i gotta i gotta
1: go it's true because she did say she was going to the restroom in the beginning so she could have been like oh I don't feel good I gotta go home instead yeah. of being like I'm jealous sitting in the back and then I'm gonna ditch you and the doctor that like totally wants to bone me that that
0: was kind of a funny scene when the doctor was like here's your invitation to my party and she's like what about my girlfriend though can my girlfriend come <laughs> he was like I guess <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I did Find this a little more, I don't know, something about the story was easier to swallow than Portrait of a Lady on Fire, because I think a Portrait of Lady on Fire, it's like we just sort of like are expected to know that some things end tragically and there's always gonna be like a question in the air. But like with this, there was a conclusion. Like Charlotte tried to integrate Mary into her life to be basically her little like puppet and keep her class status and obviously mary wasn't going to go for that and she tells her like you don't you don't understand me at all and it's true like she doesn't understand her and she cannot keep her place in society like she wants to and all the things that they enjoyed were you know in a vacuum they were away from everybody they got to be themselves away from everybody and not everybody is going to choose to maintain that level of authenticity. I think when they're introduced back into society. So I felt like it was more conclusive and yeah, I think sometimes it's better to just live with the romantic idea of what you had maybe than to actually find out what really would have happened because they found out and they were just, neither of them were happy about it. Like seeing the final scene where Mary's work is literally in between Mary and Charlotte Mm -hmm. was very sad, but very realistic it
0: was a great shot. It was a great shot to end on. Although I think my impression was that it was almost more open-ended than Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Because in Portrait of a Lady on Fire, like, they have gone their separate ways. And like, we know, I forget what the characters' names are. But that one chick made her decision to like, live a very particular kind of life. Like, we can see she's with a man. Like, it's over. Mm. It's done. But I feel like in this one, although I think in all likelihood, they parted ways, there is kind of a question to me because she showed up at the museum exhibit. And I think even though there was her work between them, I think that there's a possibility that their relationship wasn't completely over at that point. Like even if they never like actively had affairs again, it was kind of to me like, oh, they might've kept in touch. Like they might've still maintained some kind of friendship. And I think, I don't know, I I liked that it didn't I liked that it didn't end with her like storming out and saying, like, you don't understand me and I'll never see you again. I liked that even though Charlotte was definitely like she was naive when she did that whole thing, when she set up that whole thing, like, oh, you're going to be my mistress in my house. Like,
1: yeah, that was weird.
0: Like she was naive, but I think at the end, the fact that she showed up kind of her extending the olive branch and being like I'm sorry I didn't think of you more I didn't consider you more and I think that there's like the possibility that things could have gone in any direction like it kind of leaves it open to you to decide
1: what happens after that yeah I mean I definitely see what you're saying I I personally don't feel like they pursued anything just because I feel like Mary would never want to live that life. I'm not saying that Mary would have moved there. I don't think
0: that happened at all. But I think maybe there were other affairs that lasted like a week or something. Like she's like, Ayo, my husband's out of town. <laughs> Clearly, the, she's very confident that her maid doesn't give a fuck, which I think is very
1: bold of her. Yeah, I think she was very confident. I think that was maybe showing her as a rich person. To be like oh the maid's gonna do whatever I say because I pay her so what does it matter like if I tell her don't say anything she's not gonna say anything because that's her job That's still too wild to me though because like knowing the repression
0: of 1840s London and the obvious homophobia and religious stuff that's Mm -hmm. going on like I don't think that you can actually make that bet that like Like, yes, money is important, of course, but I feel like probably like 50% of people would be like, I don't care about money. I am on God's side and God is upset with this. So I thought that was absolutely bananas that she ran in and kissed Mary on the lips.
1: Yeah, I was like, why didn't you dismiss her first? (laughs) I was like, uh, like she wanted her to see, which is like, (laughs) leave her out of it. I don't like that. I don't think she wanted her to see. She just was acting like she didn't care, I think. I wrote down maids have eyes, Charlotte. (laughs) But And the maid clearly, she made it very clear that she had eyes. She was like, "Mm, okay, Annie, I'll leave. (laughs) (laughs) I know what's going on here. You know, you know
0: that there was one time during this movie when I was rolling my eyes. The blood in the handkerchief. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Why are you pulling your eyes with some blood in the handkerchief
0: Because I like, I get that that's the easiest way to show on screen that someone's dying of tuberculosis or whatever. But like, it's still, it's so like, I got it, I got it with all the coughing. Yeah. Like I already knew. Like you didn't have to be like, oh no, it's red. <laughs> like they always they show it to the camera.
1: They wanted to be sure that you knew.
0: <laughs> to me, that's one of those situations where I'm like, just trust your audience a little more. You trusted us to to figure out other stuff. Like, why is this, like, I have to do this cliche thing in order for you to understand that she's dying? Like, no, I got it. Thanks. I don't know. I wrote down some some more, like, symbolism stuff. I liked that. There were lots, lots of scenes ended with a door opening and a door closing, which I thought was interesting. Because sometimes the movies, like, they we'll just have the person walk away and then that's the end of the scene Mm -hmm. but in this movie very particularly when someone left a room they would open the door and then close the door and it was kind of like a cool little reference to kind of the opening and closing doors of their relationship like her husband leaving was opening a door for them and then her husband returning was closing the door for them and it's like Ultimately, these women have no agency in when doors are opened or closed for them it's It's up to the men, which I think goes hand in hand with the thing at the beginning of the movie where it just starts with a guy saying, "Move to a woman." <laughs> so,
1: yeah, I was like, "Oh, okay, that's where we're going with this. Um, I thought it was a bit of like a like an obvious thing when. The first time after Mary and Charlotte have sex, like the next time they're on the beach, like the next scene is Mary eating eggs. And I'm like, is that like commentary on how she's like, you don't need to have a baby. I'm here to fuck you. Like,
0: Oh, I didn't think about that. (laughs) I was like, oh, she's having a hard boiled egg. That's probably the only way that you could have like protein that both keeps well and tastes good at the time. But I don't think that was it. <laughs> in that moment, I was all about the practicality of it. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. They would take hard-boiled eggs to the beach. That makes sense. <laughs> it's a very
1: portable food. I mean, it definitely is. It's very grab <laughs> and go. The only reason why I think that that was commentary on that is because earlier in the movie, when they have hard-boiled eggs, the mom opens hers and there's a dead chicken in it. Mm -hmm. so like that was like indicative of like her losing all her dead kids
0: yeah and then when uh charlotte's still in bed and mary's sitting with her and she says oh do you have any children and mary says no children and she says oh i'm sorry Mm -hmm. and mary's like why are you sorry
1: there she is munching on those eggs like fuck them eggs like (laughs) fuck them (laughs) kids (laughs) Yeah. I love Mary. She's an icon.
0: (laughs) I really appreciated that. I think we don't get enough of that character in those in those period pieces. Like, Mm -hmm. even when someone like obviously wouldn't want kids, they're very rarely given the opportunity to say that outright. People can barely say that today because people will like attack you and be like, you'll change your mind or like, well, what's the point of being alive? Or (laughs) something wild like that when you're like, no, thank you.
1: I think that's why we're shown that um, Charlotte loves babies so much. Like when she's talking to that woman in town about her baby, it's it's very obvious that she still wants kids. And no matter what kind of relationship she has with Mary, her very first queer experience, it seems, um, I don't think she would ever give that up. Like the ability to have a biological child or her money and her class status to be with Mary.
0: Yeah. And I think it's like, it's it's kind of it's a it's a storyline that is actually very like easily easily translatable to today which i think is like like that's an aspect of this movie that i thought was a little bit fresh because i think usually when we when we watch period pieces it's kind of like it's like a story that like doesn't really apply anymore kind of thing but like in this case it totally applies because there are always relationships whether they're queer or not that like you have to make a choice between what like what matters to you in your own personal life versus what matters to you about this relationship and you have to like choose between your job and your relationship or location and your relationship and all of this and it just it feels very like I don't know I like the fact that It can be applied to modern day
1: relationships too. And that's something that the director had said in an interview that he appreciates coming out stories so much and he thinks that there is a great significance to them and he loves them. But that wasn't the goal with this movie. With this movie, he really wanted to show um, the relationship between two people of the same gender that have their own trials and tribulations that don't necessarily have to do with that. And that is part of why he liked that they were like in such an isolated place and they could experience their relationship in that way. And like, they clearly weren't untouched by the ideas of the time, but they were able to sort of like experience each other Mm -hmm. in ways that, um, like a coming out story of a period piece would not. And he felt like you were able to really see what their relationship was, that their choice was about their relationship and not about their role in society necessarily.
0: Yeah, which is like another thing that reviewers like really hated or seemed to hate was like how much gender commentary there was. Which I'm like, how do you get a- around that when you're writing about the 1840s? Like, how exact? Like, what exactly did you want them to do? Like, <laughs> some of the reviewers were like, yeah, it just seems too obvious to like make all this commentary about women's place in society and what they're expected to do. I'm like you could talk about that today like you could talk about that anytime and it'll apply like why are you mad why
1: are you mad bro I I feel like the reviewers went into this movie and they're like I'm gonna see something modern like I'm gonna see something subversive
0: and edgy it's not edgy maybe to people that aren't accustomed to queer sex scenes like maybe that would be edgy to them but that's about it that's the edgiest part
1: I mean, it was no spit in my mouth, but <laughs> hey, yeah, oh, right. Uh, this is one of those times where I wish that we were doing a YouTube channel instead of a podcast because Hannah turned to look at her notes. And as soon as I said that, she turned back around and was like, hey, Like her eyes were as big as dishes. I just <laughs> want you to know.
0: <laughs> Calling me out. I thought this was a safe space for me to like have whatever expressions and no one could ever know no we have to let the audience know you are exposing me it's very important that they know what kind of person you are (laughs) okay so i just really liked that scene all right Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: what was that movie disobedience disobedience yeah yeah okay um what was i gonna say oh this is just like a really random question that i have for you in the beginning when they show Charlotte's husband undressing like what was that about like what was what was going on there it it felt weird like I wasn't sure what I was supposed to get out of that
1: I mean for me it was more about her reaction to seeing him undress like she looked away I was like bro you're married like you've clearly had sex because you have a, had a miscarriage so why are you looking away and then when she like was going to engage with him in anything I don't even know what that was like he like pushes her off So for me, that was like her kind of being ashamed or not attracted to the male form. I
0: That's, when the scene started and he started undressing, that's what my expectation was. Because generally in films like this, or even modern things, it's like the guy undresses and then we're supposed to like, look at the woman and see her reaction and it's supposed to be like oh she's having like a lackluster reaction or whatever Mm -hmm. however the way that the scene was shot was very like I felt like we were supposed to be objectifying him and attracted to him and I don't know (laughs) if it's like the gay male director just like showing his like true colors and being like (laughs) I can't possibly film a man undressing without like slowly panning over his arms but like I, I was confused by the direction of that scene. I was not sure what we were supposed to think. But going off of what you said, I do think it was, it ended up being an interesting reversal. Because when that scene started, my expectation was that, like, he was going to try to force her into sex and she wasn't going to want it.
1: Yeah, I had the same, same thought.
0: Yeah, which was then interesting to see her approach him and him be like, no, not right now. And she was clearly hurt by it. Whether or not she's
1: actually sexually attracted to him, we don't know. And I think that might have been her wanting a kid, wanting to move past that mourning period and just get another child and to be secure in that life. Because clearly he's been like disenchanted by her melancholia. Like Mm -hmm. he literally like is like pissed off at her and he's like, That's enough. I want my funny, witty wife back. And I'm like, Okay, bitch. Like (laughs) oh, just another um like
0: very obvious kind of metaphorical thing um which you know as we are metaphor sluts uh we can appreciate a good metaphor even if it's really obvious but i loved like the different contrasts between the first scene of her sea bathing versus when she and mary go into the water together
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because it's like the first time it's all like cloudy and overcast and the water is very turbulent and scary and she's literally in the bathing box which is like a confined space Mm -hmm. and then like later when they go into the water together it's like the only sunny day that we see yeah (laughs) it's all sunny and beautiful and the sunset is like super nice and the water is like super calm they just go in they're like having a grand old time Mm -hmm. they're like
1: kissing and playing and stuff and when she did the bathing box thing she was alone like she was out there it was gloomy it was dark the waves were taking her down and they like panned out to the box and no one was there and the guys wheeled her out there they left her there like what if she fucking drowned
0: i mean that would have been more desirable to them than them seeing her without her clothes on that was like and like yes she's wearing clothes obviously but like it was so inappropriate for anyone to see someone in that situation i when i was reading about the the bathing box thing, like literally part of the point was that so the they would leave the box there so that it would block anyone's view from the shore so like they couldn't see the person standing there which then makes it interesting because the quote that I read earlier I realized I didn't make it clear that according to the article that I read it like because it was so inappropriate for a man to see a woman like that it was usually someone of the same gender that was doing the bathing mm-hmm. which makes it like ooh, it's it's both more comfortable and less comfortable because it's like at least a man's not trying to drown you but at the same time like you're forcing a woman to then drown another woman basically yeah ooh, i don't like it not a fan oh also (laughs) the like really the time that they had metaphorical sex by digging out that fossil together yeah (laughs) (laughs) like the the grunting and heavy breathing and like digging their fingers in the mud of it all it was very (laughs) and the way she took off her wedding ring yes (laughs)
1: yes and she <laughs> just she, throw it in the ocean
0: <laughs> she just popped that baby into her pocket she was like eh, if it falls out it
1: falls out whatever um, it was like oh, buddy. <laughs> at least she took it off That that outfit was such a cute outfit with the little pocket and the little blazer i loved it <laughs> <That was cute. laughs>
0: yeah the dresses were actually like pretty cool like i loved her green dress that was mm-hmm. so pretty really pretty so sarah you had to rate this movie Ammonite on a scale of 1 to 10. What rating would you give it?
1: I'm going to give it like 6.9 fossils.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to say 6.5 okay. fossils. Okay. So, we're around the same area and as per usual, you're rating it a little higher than me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't want to give it a 7. A 7 was too much, but a 6 kind of felt low to me.
0: Yeah yeah but does 6.5 feel low to you
1: i think it's fine like anywhere between like a 6.5 and a 6.9 makes sense <laughs> to me
0: anywhere in between those point four fossils
1: is good yes. for you <laughs> <laughs> how many plesiosaurs do you give us <laughs> um have you watched anything queer lately um this is gonna sound uh like you're
0: gonna immediately know how behind the times I am but then in this particular case Sarah is further behind the times um what? <laughs> but <laughs> I've been watching Shit's Creek oh. and like I tell everyone this because I was really resistant to watching it I watched like the first couple episodes of season one And in a similar reaction that I had to um, Parks and Rec, I was like, why is everyone hyping the show up so much? Like, it's kind of whatever. Like, there were a couple funny moments, but overall, it wasn't that great. But once you get into it, it's really funny. It's really funny. It's just the kind of thing where you have to get to know the characters well enough to think that everything is hilarious that happens to them. Um, And there is very sweet queer representation on the show that i that i love and is dear to me <laughs> um and i'm sure everyone knows this already everyone has watched schitt's creek but me and sarah <laughs> yeah
1: i i tried i just didn't like the first episode so
0: yeah i I would definitely encourage you to go back to it especially because it is it's the perfect show to have on in the background while you're doing something else like if you're folding laundry or whatever like perfect you don't have to look at the screen all the time that's the best part
1: okay I'll give it another try but I think much like Parks and Rec I'm gonna have to make it through the first season yeah and then really appreciate it yeah
0: so. once you power for
1: through the first season
0: it really gets better um because I think the first season they were really struggling to settle into a tone. It felt kind of unsteady for the first season. And then they like really found they found the tone they were going for and they stuck with it and now it works. So um have you watched anything? No, I
1: haven't watched anything queer at all. <laughs> like, I watched Avatar The Last Airbender recently, because I've never seen it. Um the other thing I started watching is season two of The Umbrella Academy. And I'm like three episodes in. I haven't watched that much of it. And I finished uh, Chaos, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. That has some queer characters in it. But I don't remember any queer characters in this season for whatever reason. Yeah, you you said Umbrella Academy. That's queer. Yeah, it is. So, but yeah, I haven't got super into this season. So I can't relay anything yet. Maybe next episode. I'm trying to think if I've watched anything else. Oh,
0: this isn't queer thus far, and I don't think at all, but um, I'm two episodes into The Stand, the 2020 remake. It's fine. <laughs> it's hilarious watching it with my mom, though, because she is a huge Stephen King fan. She is a huge The Stand fan. That is her, like, that's her favorite book ever. She is obsessed with the movie that came out in the 80s, 90s. I can't remember when it came out, but Rob Lowe's in it. That's all I know. Um. Oh, and Molly Ringwald, I think. Anyway, she, <laughs> like, every time she has a problem with it, and I'm, like, trying to suss out, like, what her objection is, it's always, like, essentially, it's not the original movie. Like, that's, that's her, That's her problem. (laughs) Okay. And I'm like, okay, so it's not going to be the same. And she's like, they changed that. They changed it. They changed that scene.
1: Like, yeah, it's new. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, they're not, they're not like being Disney and just making a shot for shot remake. Like, they're changing it up a little bit. Um, Yeah. I really enjoy the cast. I don't really particularly care how much they changed things from the book because I didn't particularly enjoy the book. I don't know if it was just where I was in my life. I was also trying to read the unabridged version at the time, which is a bad call because Stephen King already makes shit too long sometimes. And this was like 1100 pages of being bored and irritated by characters I didn't like. They've made the characters much more likable in the show. Um but it's also, it's one of those weird things that shows are doing recently where, like, the episodes vary in length, which I, it sounds like a good idea on the surface, but I think in this case, like, they needed to be restricted to one-hour episodes. Like, the one we watched last night, literally, it was just, like, 65 minutes, but it was five minutes too long, you know? Like, it mm. just, there was extra stuff in there that should have been cut, and I just was like, get out of here. Um <laughs> So anyway, I don't know. Could get better. I I li- I liked the first episode much more, um, but the second episode just it feels like it's dragging. Feels like the plot has no momentum. It's just kind of like things are happening, but there's no overarching
1: thing. That is a, a Stephen King thing, so it'll pick back up.
0: <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> you know me, I need to have like an overarching plot line that that feels like it's going somewhere like obviously yeah. the overarching plot line is that there's a horrible pandemic that's killed 99% of the population like yes that is the overarching thing but there's no like there's no like specific plan for like this is what we need to do and this is like our plan for it and this is where we're going it's just kind of like mm-hmm. this thing has happened
1: that's it they decided to do this the stand tv show pre pandemic and then release it during the pandemic?
0: I'm not entirely sure of what the timeline is on that. It seems to me that based on how long filming stuff takes, like that it would have been
1: pre-pandemic that they decided to remake it, yeah. I know that they are still filming, so.
0: Yeah, some shows are still filming. Some are getting around it by uh, by including the pandemic in the show and then having them wear masks and stuff, which I know we've talked about recently, but. Grey's Anatomy. yeah. <laughs> It's another thing that kind of bothered me in the show, and I'm sure it's because this was made pre-pandemic, but at the same time, they probably should have had subject matter experts to talk to because in the flashback scenes where we see the pandemic happening in the show, nobody's wearing masks. And it's like, clearly that's something that happens when a pandemic starts happening is people want masks really bad. And, like, there's even a scene where they're in a hospital and there's, like, a bunch of sick people everywhere. Most of the doctors are wearing masks, but, like, no one else in the hallway has masks on at all. It's really weird. And I okay. was like, this is, this feels odd to me. American. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 beyond that. Because then there's, like, another scene where, like, the pandemic is in full swing and these people decided to go to a concert and zero people have masks which i just think is unrealistic like there would at least and be... like they're still having the concert yeah they're still <laughs> having it yeah like people are already dying and dead and it's like they make a joke about how empty the concert is and they're like oh man those like those weaklings that stayed home just because of a little cold and i'm like okay so that sounds very familiar now like that okay. attitude mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time like there would be people in the crowd wearing masks, but no, they're just people out there going.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah. And for what? For Nickelback, Henny? No.
0: <laughs> Not for Nickelback. For the, <laughs> for the character. There's a, there's a musician main character in the stand. Um, okay. Larry Underwood. I like so far. He's my favorite character. <laughs> I think it's like the act. I don't know the actress name, but I'm, I'm into him. Like he, He's a good actor. He's compelling. I I don't know. Is he a musician in real life? This I don't know. Um, they also didn't actually show him play any music on the show, which I actually am kind of relieved at because I it, it gets real cringy real fast if it's like a show that's not about music and then they like show someone playing a song. It's like usually really bad.
1: Uh Yovan Adepo. He was in Watchmen, The Leftovers, Fences, Overlord um quite a few things when they see us mother that's a lot of stuff god damn it he's british oh he's british (laughs) (laughs) you love british people that pretend they're american amber heard is in this i did not know that oh wait what who does she play (laughs) Nadine cross oh that's amber heard yeah i'm surprised she hasn't lost her job yet yeah odessa young Whoopi goldberg by the way yeah 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 alexander skarsgard oh daddy love him
0: oh no you <laughs> he is not daddy in the show he is creepy boy
1: oh he plays a lot of creepy people so i'm not shocked or anything but even
0: the creepy boy that he played in american horror story was like they like made you care about him this guy is just oh man He's so creepy but yeah and like Whoopi goldberg like she plays, like, a character that's very corny, so there's a lot that people have said about that character in the book, and Stephen King's all about tropes. Like, you can't get around that. Like, I think the paper I wrote on the stand um, was about, like, all the tropes in it, and, like, how everything was very neatly in a little, mm-hmm. a little box of this is how this kind of character is written, and he did exactly that. Okay. So i think it's a fair criticism of the character but then you also just have to look at him as an author and be like yeah that's what that's what he does that's his shtick okay but you know what i'm sick and tired of people making fun of people for liking stephen king's books
1: his books are really good
0: i've seen a lot of tiktoks recently that's like very like oh when someone tries to talk to you about literature but then says their favorite book is by stephen king it's like shut the fuck up like it's definitely more annoying when like it's in a mansplaining context because that definitely I can see that. Like if you're talking about literature with a man that's being condescending and like saying like, oh, real books or real literature, or whatever. And then they see Stephen King, like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a sideways look at that. Uh, but it goes back to that thing of like, it's totally valid to enjoy entertainment. Like what why are we at a point where we have to like make fun of people for liking entertaining things? relax because everyone has to be a snob i'm not playing that game i like stephen king
1: <laughs> i like stephen king. he's a good author so
0: but like i can also criticize his writing like he's both a great writer and a terrible writer at the same time and i can respect that <laughs> <laughs> anyway now that i've gone on my stephen king rant um everyone should read the dead zone by the way yeah. if you haven't it's a good. It's especially a good starting point if you're like, especially if you're kind of like not into horror literature because it's not really. It's more like, it's a little
1: science fictiony. Sci-fi. Yeah. I say that. Um, my favorite Stephen King novel is, um, Firestarter. So that's a really short one. There's some sci-fi elements in that one as well. I need to read that one. So good. It's very short. I will lend it to you. It's in my bookcase somewhere
0: another book for you to lend to me so I can never return it
1: Please read it I've read so many books y'all I just finished the devil all the time um and I am going to watch the Netflix movie that is next on my list um I'm not sure how I'm gonna feel about it because it was a wild ride um there is just a list of terrible awful people um in this book and it never gets better And the whole beginning of the book is like full of wild animal cruelty and death. So yeah, I
0: don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or not, but I had mentioned watching that movie and having to fast forward through a very long drawn out scene with animal cruelty and then reading online that the book was worse.
1: Yeah, it's really bad.
0: Sorry that you had to read that. I can't wait to talk about the movie with you um, because... I'm going to have to go back and read the text messages I sent you. Cause I know I was texting you during that movie being like, what is going on?
1: Yeah. It, it's a strange one. I can't even imagine it as a movie. So I'm preparing myself for it. Um, I will say though, I really loved the way it was written. It was a page turner. I read it in one single day. Um, and it, it's so bad. Like the characters are terrible. Like everything that happens is disgusting and awful. But I could not stop reading it. Like, I started it at work. I got off early that day. I went home. I smoked a blunt on my porch. And I finished that book. Like, it was a great day. (laughs) Sarah, you do drugs? I mean, no. I did not. I sat (laughs) on the porch. (laughs)
0: Well, I would read that book if not for the animal cruelty. Like that's an automatic no for me. So It's
1: really hard. Like I could maybe just like gently describe it to you and you could skip that whole part. Like (laughs) Okay. Maybe. Perhaps. It's it's like a hundred pages. Like it's But I have a hundred books to read that I have sitting around. So I should just read them and shut up. That's very true. <laughs> um, if you want to read the woman in the window, that's also going to be a Netflix movie. I read that; very good. I liked it. Amy Adams is going to be in it. Oh, I love Amy it's, Adams. I know you do. It's a little predictable, but I also kind of loved it. So, okay, okay. That is a uh, crime novel, by the way. Crime. Mm-hmm. I love crime. <laughs> <laughs> we don't actually love crime here. Disclaimer. <laughs> For legal purposes, we do not love crime. <laughs>
0: but also be gay do crimes that's right
1: <laughs> what else did i read oh daisy jones and the six there is a queer character in there but they're hidden um but that was a really really good book you should read that this is a book podcast now a book podcast. well that's because i that's what i'm doing lately uh the vanishing half there's a trans character in there that's a good fucking book like start to I've finish heard stuff about that book okay so good um, Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe. Y a, gay, very good. Recommend it's slap. Is it
0: as great as everyone hypes it up to be on Tumblr?
1: The Aristotle one.
0: Hmm. Um, or is it just kind of like good?
1: It's good. I will say okay. it's, it's just good. Maybe even very good, but not like the best of the best. It is really philosophical. I think it really. It's 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 expecting a sequel, by the way. I think it hits on a lot of things that you don't think of as things that teenagers think of, but it's pretty deep. I will say it made me cry like twice. That explains
0: why (laughs) Tumblr is so into it then. Cause they're like, Oh my God, I'm so deep. I love this book. It gets me. It gets how deep I am. Exactly. (laughs) And like, I'm also making fun of myself in this moment. I need you to know, like I'm not excluding (laughs) myself from the Tumblr demographic of like, people that think they're deeper than they are we're all hanging out together on that website
1: (laughs) um signal to noise by sylvia moreno garcia is really good she also wrote mexican gothic if you've read that one that one's getting really popular lately no queer characters in that but still really good um the other one i read that has a queer character in it has several queer characters in it is cemetery boys by aiden thomas and it's really fucking good it was a really sweet ya story it had like a really rich background um there's like latinx people and there's like a blend of cultures and brujeria it's really interesting and i thought it was really sweet and one of my friends just picked it up so i can't wait to hear back from him about it he'll read anything and he'll watch anything gay so (laughs) shout out to rob i love you so much um he's probably listening (laughs) i just learned recently that you're a listener we love you thank you
0: for listening yes thank you we appreciate you and our other five listeners
1: (laughs) they're all our friends it's just (laughs) rob jordan tyler like who who
0: else listens we i mean we joke about this but like we get other listens i just like
1: we don't know who they are they never talk to us
0: you who are listening right now we appreciate
1: you too not just our friends We appreciate you more than our friends, to be honest.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because like there are friends, they have to listen, right? That's true. They have to love us. (laughs) They have to be like, oh yeah, my friends have a podcast. Ooh. (laughs) Groundbreaking. (laughs) All right. We're not 100% sure what we're going to watch next. I have an idea or two. It'll be a surprise. Other than that, hope everyone is staying safe and as sane as humanly possible. Given the circumstances, keep washing those hands, wearing those masks, even if you got the vaccine, we need everyone to be vaccinated so that Sarah and I can uh, be together in person
1: so we can hug once again.
0: (laughs) Yes. So even if it's not like you're not really trying to end the pandemic, like you at least want us to hug. Right. Like that's (laughs) that's really what it comes down
1: to. Right. Thank you so much for your service. We really appreciate (laughs) you.
0: We're losing it a little bit. So I think
1: it's time to sign
0: off. (laughs) You're right. Um, So until next time, please remember, the queers are watching. Bye. Bye.